The Frequency 49 show is brought to you by Niner Empire GB. Frequency 49 show. I'm your host, Kat Victorino, and with me today are James Little and Rob Newell. Hello, boys. Hello. Hi, Kat. It's been a while. After an extended holiday, we are back to what will hopefully be a semi-regular podcast that will become regular once the season starts. That said, to make this show happen, we need your help. We are looking for people to become more actively involved in both the Facebook group and the podcast. For example, for the podcast, I would like to see the return of the two-minute drill, which is a fast-paced question-and-answer period in the podcast, but we need writers for that. Also, we'd like to find someone who would be able to take over the Pick 6 tracking and reporting during the season from our friend Kev. And then there's our blog. We have a wonderful blog written by our very own Rob. Do you want to talk to, about us about that? Oh, thanks, Kat. Um, yeah, I'm glad you like it. The blog is, again, semi-regular at the moment. I'm looking to pick it up and make it a a more common, sort of regular delivery type of thing. I'm looking for, obviously, if anyone wants to contribute and write, write stuff themselves, that would be brilliant. I'm going to get more, more opinions, more more views out there. The, I think the more the better. And I think if people want to team up and collaborate and come up with things as Mark suggested in the Facebook group as well I think that would be excellent just to get as many people involved as possible and get them get the word out for people to to read it as well absolutely this is all of our group and we want as much participation as possible so if you have ideas something to contribute or want to be more involved please contact a group admin for more information now to the podcast here we go this off-season has appeared to be a complete departure from previous off-seasons, signaling a real change in team leadership. The 49ers were active in free agency and carried that activity over into the draft, where they made moves that the team has not made in recent drafts. For example, trading down one position to acquire additional picks later in the draft. If you haven't had a chance to read the Peter King article in Sports Illustrated about the draft room activities, you need to. It's a really interesting article that provides insight into the inner workings of the trades and deals that happened. And for me, gave me a bit more respect towards Parag Marte, who has been kind of a scapegoat for years. Um, that man really worked some deals during the draft that was pretty incredible. Speaking of the draft, guys, were there any real standouts for either of you that, that we drafted? Rob? And the one that stood out for me was Ruben Foster, the middle linebacker we got right at the end of the, the first round. We just got just in front of the Saints there. The, just the way, the stories he told about how he was on the phone to the Saints and then hang up on them to talk to John Lynch. And I thought that was brilliant. He wants to that be was, a 49er was... and I think that's, those are the sort of players we need. That was an awesome story, totally. <laughs> You've been looking at my notes, haven't you, Rob? That is exactly that is exactly what I put. Ruben Foster, because he wanted to play for the team, because he wants to play for the team, uh, and the talent as well. Since we've drafted, uh, you know, people that we drafted in the draft class, obviously, when you go into the draft, you can look at, you know, various clips on NFL Network. But when you find out what players you end up with and through free agency, you get to have a little look, further look. Or YouTube montages make them all look fantastic. We're going to win the Super Bowl, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Ruben Foster was an absolute standout for me. It was a great pick as well. It was something I did on a, a mock draft uh, that I chose just because of the position and need. You know, Bowman 
with unfortunate injuries and uh, this was I did the mock draft before the Malcolm Smith signing I think it's possibly our strongest one well one of our strongest positions awesome how do you feel the Niners did in terms of making deals and trading picks during the draft good very good uh, a lot better a lot more exciting than other years uh, I just think they got value I just think they played it well uh, yeah I just yeah I was very pleased with the draft and what we ended up with, I think you look at the talent for the picks that we got. Uh, I thought the first pick was a good choice, a solid choice. And possibly an obvious one in that position. But again, going back to the Ruben Foster pick, I was really surprised and very pleased by that as well. So, like you say, there was um, a lot of work went on in that draft room. And I'm impressed so far. I'm always optimistic. I'm always Mr. Optimistic. We've got hope, we've got faith. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I was impressed with John Lynch. Considering that you know, he's never been a general manager before. Um, I think, like you say, if you read into what went on in that draft room, he's, he's he had a large input. So I think as a team, they you know, they should be very proud. And it's, it's in my short space of time as being a 49er fan, say from the 2012 season, really, it's probably the, the happiest draft I've had. We'll yet to see how they do. We'll see, won't we? So, But no, I was very impressed with them. I think James is reading my notes now. <laughs> uh, I think I mean, John Lynch, I think, came out as a star of the whole thing. I think, like you said earlier as well, Cat about Parag and his role in it. I think, yes, we've selected some good players from Solomon Thomas right, and, and Reuben Foster down through the other rounds as well. But I think the real stars of the whole process have been the front office staff. I think if we look back at, well, even back to Jim Harbaugh's days and his coach, the whole thing was... A mess. We got to the Super Bowl, but the the, the office there was obviously Mr. Bulky and and Parag. No one seemed to know what to do with with Parag, and there was a lot of dysfunction in that back in the in the office. And since John Lynch has come in, they seem to have given Parag his own role. Everyone seems to be on the same page. And Kyle and John, first time in in those roles themselves, and they've come in and and just taken it and run with it. And I think Peter King's article shows that as well. Yeah, it was really a good article. It gave a lot of really good um, insights into what really goes on in that, what I had been calling the war room, but really the draft room. Um, so what do, what, what do you think in terms of overall grade for the draft so we can move on from the draft and move forward? Overall grade. Mm. That's a hard one. Can, <laughs> well, I've been can softballing we do it? you. i got to <laughs> give you something hard. <laughs> can we do it when we've seen them play for for? <laughs> Five seasons? Can we go? Can we do this question? You know, you know when they go back and they do the redrafts. That's always a good one, isn't it? Um, I don't know. B plus B for me, I would say. Uh, looking, like I say, doing a bit of research on who we actually drafted, how highly they were all thought of. Again, Ruben Foster. I was just, I was just absolutely ecstatic with that pick. I thought it was a brilliant pick. Um, so yeah, I'd say B. Let's go for B. It's difficult to separate the draft and the free agency period for that to, to give them a grade. I think it's, there's so many holes in the team from last year. But I think it's pure draft. I think I think a B is probably good. I think we, if we could go the first couple of rounds, we may have been an A or an A minus. But overall, I think a B for the draft itself. I'll give it a B plus for uh, entertainment value. <laughs> oh, great. I think we need to see him in a couple of couple of years' time how well these first. With Solomon Thomas and Foster come in and tear it up, then we're all going to be going with us. That's an A, A plus. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. 
So some interesting notes from the draft. Um, the 49ers picked a, a defensive lineman in the first round for the third consecutive year. Uh, this is our ninth straight draft that we have selected a running back. We traded six times, one short of the franchise record of seven in 1993. That cracks me up. And we have the Niners have drafted two defensive players in the first round for the first time since 2000. So between free agency and the draft, you kind of touched on that a minute ago, um, Rob. Have the 49ers begun building a strong foundation for the future? Or is this just a bridge to keep fans interested until quality players become available? I think they've definitely started as I've meant to go on. I think the whole culture's changed from the moment John Lynch was appointed. And then obviously Kyle coming in, which I think is one of the worst kept secrets perhaps in the NFL, where he was going to go. But um, we've got him, and you look at what he's done, straight away they've picked players up who, that they know. That's the first thing. That, I mean, Brian Hoyer came in straight away. I know it's not the most exciting name out there, but it's someone that knows Kyle Shanahan's system. And Kyle's gone and got people that can fill a role that he knows can fill a role that suits him. And they've picked up a defensive coordinator, which obviously we needed to change after last year. And he, again, another guy in the first-time position. So we'll see how he goes. But they're giving him, obviously, a lot of tools to work with. Two, like you said, two defensive first-round picks. And two previous first-rounders as well. And people are saying that DeForest Buckner is looking amazing already. So I think things are definitely going the right way. Yeah, I agree. I think it would have been quite easy for them to come in, having all been rookies themselves in the positions that they're in, and thrown a load of money, you know, flashy free agency targets and, you know, probably could have thrown everything into trying to get the first pick, as we've seen in the past other teams do, and look how that ended up for those teams. I think it would have been very easy to come in, try and make a big song and dance and show about it all, but and they've come in. Shanahan stuck with players like you say that he knows can do a job, fill a position, um, and just and drafted talent, which was what was clear to me that I mean it might not be outside looking in. You you know they say draft the best player at that pick, and I think that's what they did. And they when they traded up, they traded up and selected the best player available. So it was all about picking the best players available and being smart in free agency, which I think we have been going back to the previous podcast. Um, if you haven't listened to it already, go and listen to it. Um, we <laughs> talked about the contracts and the money we paid for the free agency as well. Again, all very smart. Haven't thrown loads of money at them so that they don't, you know, these players don't come in and just sit on a big fat paycheck. Um, they'll come in. They're coming in at reasonable salaries for the positions that they're in to do a job. Um, I think it's a good basis we can't obviously say yet but i think it's a solid footing to build upon that's the key thing i think yeah there's a definite vision isn't there and they yeah. are fulfilling that they, they want to go 4-3 defense they're going to do that with the seattle scheme and brick they brought in when they brought in Matt and smith that was obvious that they're going to get somebody can fit that system and they're beginning the players to fit their vision yep so training camp begins tomorrow. Rookies and veterans are expected to report tomorrow. Yay! Uh, is there? Sorry, I'm a little excited. Mm -hmm. Is there anything in particular either of you would be looking for during training camp? Yeah, I mean, we keep saying obviously Carl, first-time coach. I think we got to say that not many first-time coaches are coming in with their dad having done the role in the league before. So it's not, so Carl's been around this and he knows what to expect. In this situation, it's got to be an advantage. 
And in terms of individual players, etc., fitting schemes, um, I want to see how Eric Armstead does because they seem to be moving him to the the Leo outside, and I think we could see a lot better defense as a result of run stopping. I think particularly we need to see an improvement on and having Solomon Thomas in there and obviously Ruben Foster as well. And I want to see what what Navarro Bowman looks like. Mm. Is, he, is he fit? Is he complaining with injuries? I mean, you hear rumours from going both ways. And what sort of shape is he in? And is he there as a glorified coach now or is he there to play? My concern, and I do have a concern about this, and I want to see what you guys feel about it. Shanahan has stated that he will also be filling the role of offensive coordinator. Is he stretching himself too thin as a new head coach to hold that head coach job and be the offensive coordinator? I think no. Taking the role as head coach and then giving, you know, his forte, what he's good at, to another coach to entrust could cause conflict. I think it's avoiding conflict. Um, it makes it absolute. The scheme will be absolute. The play calls will be absolute selected. In a way, he's taking a lot more pressure and a lot more responsibility and putting it on his own shoulders, which from a leader, from a coach, that's what you want. Um, it, it has worked for the teams. Um, Mike McCarthy at the Packers, if I'm right, didn't he give it away and then take it back? And when he was the play caller, uh, the offensive coordinator for when they won the Super Bowl. So I think it's starting right. Um, and like I said, it's what the man knows how to do and he knows how to do it well. Um, so I wouldn't want, I, I would have been concerned to see them hire an offensive coordinator considering we've got the best one in the league. Yeah, I agree. I think. Um... It's quite prevalent around the league for uh, on either side of the ball coordinator to to be a head coach and still call that side of the game. It's mainly on defense, I think, around the league at the moment. But but Jay Gruden's just taking it back in Washington, for example. And I think the old saying is it you dance with the one that got you there. Um, and he's got to where he is by being the best defensive coordinator in the league. So why not why not still do it? He's He's brought an offense in that he wants to see. He's going to be the best person to implement it. I mean, down the line, maybe he passes it on to somebody else. But I think we also have to acknowledge he's not a head coach in the sense that Bill Belichick is a head coach. He wants to take on everything. He is compartmentalizing everything. And he's concentrating on the coaching side. He's got John Lynch to do contracts and Parag as well. He is concentrating purely on the football side of it. And I think he can do both, no problem. Okay, then. So we posted on our Facebook group for questions for our, our guys here, and I have a whole list of them. Uh, I got a couple that, that kind of overlap, so I'm uh, excuse me if I go ahead and combine them, but Barry Wiggins and William Francis both asked if you guys think we could go above 500 this year. I believe we can. I actually wrote down, we can, Barry, we can believe. <laughs> we have a great coach. Something that we haven't had for the past couple of years, a great young defence if they fulfil their potential. On paper, the, you say we go back to the first round picks. I think the defence is looking an awful lot better. But I, I think we can. Uh, I believe we can. I think we can. But yes, yes we can, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> can we go above 500 is a question, yeah? Can we do 8 or 8 or better? Um, we can. Yes, we can. Um, will we? <laughs> it's an entirely different question. Right. Um, but certainly it's there. I mean, look at what, what was 2-14 and 14 as last year. Um, but you look at the schedule, as James was saying, there are winnable games on there. And you then look at the, the 
squad we've now got, and there's been a significant upgrade in some key positions. Not meant, not just at the coaching side, obviously, but but obviously the quarterback looks more settled. There seems to be a better scheme for the running game. I think. Yes, we can. I mean, I don't want to commit to a figure at this point. I know so we're going to put it on later. But if you told me any number between 6 and 10 up to 11 and 5, I could make a case for for that. So, yes, it's definitely possible we can go above 8 and 8. We need a decent start to get some momentum to, if we're going to get somewhere near 8. But certainly there's enough games on there that are winnable. It's not the hardest schedule as we get towards the end. Yeah. So Richard Burley wants to know, uh, Brian Hoyer, bit of an unknown quantity for me to be honest, but how decent is he and how will he perform under Kyle? It's Brian Hoyer. He hasn't set the world on fire in the NFL. He's had some good games. I have looked. He's had some great games. Uh, He's had some bad ones, some very bad ones too. So uh, yeah, he's an unknown quantity, but uh, he's not an unknown quantity to the coach and the offensive, the head coach and the offensive coordinator. But again, it's my opinion. It's all about optimism, and it was selected by Shanahan, who's had him before. So Brian Hoyer, he's well, first of all, we need to say he's a playoff quarterback because he's got there. You know, he had a bad playoff, but he got the Houston Texans to a playoff game. His best, his best game or season of his career was was under Carl Shanahan in Cleveland. And last year, before he got injured, he had the first Bears quarterback to throw I think, four games in a row over 300 yards. I know Chicago now haven't had a great deal of quarterback play. They've been a running team traditionally, but it's still something to hang your hat on. And, and then obviously the other quarterback we keep getting linked to, and I think there's another question about it, which will probably give more detail, but the guy in Washington... And if you look at the stats, and Mark will know more than me probably about this, but yeah. but I think if you look at if you compare Brian Hoyer's body of work over the last couple of seasons to to Mr. Cousins, it's not that dissimilar. And Carl Shanahan knows him, as James was saying, and I think there's going to be a comfort level in the offense, and that's going to stop that initial sort of teething issues. I think that's going to go quite well. Yeah, I think Brian is a good um, stopgap. Because he knows Shanahan, he knows Shanahan's playbook and play style. And so I think in terms of just building, it's it's definitely a positive. Um, Richard also asks, Navarro Bowman, back in training, but how many games is he capable of? Will he get to the end of the season? Um, the main thing I think Navarro Bowman will be doing this season will be taking players like Malcolm Smith, Reuben Foster under his wing and allowing these young guys to learn as much as they can from him. I think it will be, personally think it will be his last season. He's, I don't think he's going to go out on a massive high, but I think he's most, the most valuable thing for, from Navarro Bowman this season will be his experience to the younger guys. But we all know every time he steps on that field, he gives 110%. And he, he could come back to full fitness, come back, play every game, be the uh, season NFL leading tackler again. So it's, uh, that's the player he is. He, uh, he's called a beast for a reason. He could be the comeback player of the year, really, but... If he's fit, there's no way he's not playing all the games. It's as simple as that. He just can't get him off the field. He's He will, he will knock you down if you try and stop him. He's, he is that type. I don't know if he's fit, though. And I'm hearing some rumours to say that he isn't at the moment. And, there's, and he may possibly be cut from the playing squad before the end of training camp. Now, you may know if you hear that, anything local on that cat, but... I'd be honest, I haven't really been paying attention too closely. (laughs) 
family life has got me uh, a little busy right now. So, so uh, if he was to be removed from the playing side, I think he, I think he would be retained in the role that, that James was talking about as a mentor to and as an assistant coach to the, the linebackers, especially Reuben Foster and obviously Martin Smith coming in, as, as you said, and obviously the ones that are already there, like Aaron Lynch. And, well, and you couldn't ask for a better mentor, so exactly, you know, he was look who he was mentored by. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. But if he can go, then he's he's going to go. There's no way that they're going <laughs> to get him off the field. But. Exactly, they'll have to drag him kicking and screaming. Uh, let's see. Daryl Nils Hanman asks, I, oh, states and then asks, I think we will ha- be lucky to win two games. Okay, so there's Daryl's prediction. We are miles away from even competing. Lynch and Shanahan have six-year deals. Not that that ever really means anything, Daryl, I have to tell you. Um, do you think fans in this group and in the States will be able to handle this scenario of losing to get ourselves a top quarterback coming out next year? Certainly. Um, I thought about this, and I think, yes, the fans can handle it. I don't think we're in a tank or a was sort of a scam for Sam, is it? They're talking about New York for Sam Darnold. Um, I think, given what's going on, I think the fans are believing in the organization again. I think, I think there's a positivity about it. And if things were to be a one-win or a two-win season, I think the vision that the team have put together is being shared, and I think fans could accept that. I think... I don't think it'll come to that, though. I'll be honest. I don't think we are going to have a two-win season. I can understand where Daryl's coming from. But um, I would be surprised if the minimum we get this season is six wins. Ooh, Personally, I think more than that. But He's getting closer to a number. I know. <laughs> I've got a number in my head. I'm just not going to commit to it yet. But it's, uh, it's more than five. Uh, I, think, I think we're going to get more than two, uh, certainly. If we did end up two and fifth, two and fourteen, one and fifteen, though, for say injuries kick in or whatever, and we can't get there, I think the I think the fans are buying into the John Lynch led boardroom and the way things are being done. Uh, had it have been the Trent Bulky era still, and we'd go two and fourteen again, and I think the fans would be up in arms. But I think this is a different culture, and this is a new new regime, and I think the fans are on board. I agree. I can't. I can't see it happen. I just can't see it happening. Like you say, whether I'm one of those fans that is once again, uh, you know, buying into it, because uh, I'm fully buying into it, Mr. Optimistic. I just, I can't see it. I just can't see it being another season of two wins. Uh, looking at the schedule, looking at the talent on the roster. All right, we haven't got a massively talented, you know, we've got a much more talented roster on paper. Obviously, you know, a game hasn't been played yet, but on paper than we did last season. Um, you say a lot, everything's more steady, everything's gearing towards the same direction. So I just can't see it personally. Let's hope not. But I think if it did happen, um, I don't think the panic button would be pressed at all. Um, I think I don't think. Of course, you're always going to have the fans that would just completely explode and want all change again. But do we really want to go through all that again? We've had it the past two seasons. Uh, you know, sack the whole lot, bring a whole lot not in. There's only so long you can go through doing that. Um, and I honestly look at the people uh, in the positions and everything in place now. And I don't think Jed York could handle that again. I think if we did only win two games last season, he would have to stand by his convictions for once and stick by these guys that he's given six-year deals. And they're, yeah, he'd have to. So won't panic. It's going to be fine. It, we will win more than two games. I would remain cautiously optimistic. 
only because we have a lot of work to do and what is on paper doesn't necessarily translate to the playing field. So I totally get where Daryl's coming from. I'm, I get it. You know, I'm not ready to call how many wins I think we're going to get, but um, I'm certainly going to stick around for the ride because it's going to be wild. <laughs> I think there's a point there at this point that um, I listened to an interview with Steve Young the other day and he was saying that, that John Lynch and that have reached out to some of the previous legends, if you like, for want of a better term, and they're, they're going to be involved and be around the facility and, and talking to these guys and setting set the standard for these people. And I think that's going to rub off after a while. It's going, to, it's going to have to just for receivers to be able to see and talk to Jerry Rice and quarterbacks to be able to talk to Steve Young and Joe Montana. I mean, that's got to inspire you to have a better performance. That's huge. So moving on, William Francis asks, with Pierre Garçon likely to get some attention on one side of the field, how well do you think Jeremy Curley can do this year, given how he did last year? Yeah, there's a few things on this question as well. Um, first of all, Jeremy Curley wasn't even on the roster this time last year. So he didn't come through a sort of training camp environment with the 49ers. This year he's here for the whole thing. That's got to be a benefit. And I think if he was to record similar numbers, that would be ideal as long as everybody else's numbers went up. But I'm not sure he was the leaving receiver type. I know he was last year, but but when we look at the the, the options at receiver, yes, Pierre Garçon's going to get attention. Everyone always talks about Pierre Garçon, but I don't think we should underestimate Marquis Goodwin. He's come in, and know he's never put up big numbers, but he's, this is an Olympic standard runner. He's going to take the top of defences and spread things out deep down the field, leaving space in there in the slot for Jeremy Curley. And also for is it George Kittle, the, the rookie coming through, who's slated to be the starters by sort of mid season at the tight end spot. I think that's if we can see everyone's receptions going up as a result of people having to respect the deep ball, then I think we're we're doing well, even if Jeremy Curley himself only matches or comes in just under what he did last year, I think the entire offense production goes up as a result of what we brought in. James, do you have anything? Uh, sorry, I, just, I think he'll do okay. I agree with Rob. I don't think he's going to be leading receiver uh, type material. Well, as Rob was talking then, I completely forgot about Marcus Goodwin. And like you say, I me too. I, 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 like Rob said, I don't think we should forget about him. And I don't think we, we are going to forget about him. I think there's going to be a few big players from that lad this year that we're going to go, wow, he got from there to there and Brian Hoyer got the ball to him all the way over there. It, 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 I think we'll be amazed at the guy's speed from what I've read uh, and from what I've seen again. YouTube montages make them all look like Super Bowl winners, but um, the guy's quick, and like say, I forgot about him until Rob just mentioned about him. So I agree with Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him play at Wembley for Buffalo a couple of years ago when he scored a 85-yard touchdown against or it was a Jackson or Jags, but he very nearly did it again two plays later. Yeah. He just he's so fast. And he did it against the Jets last year as well, and that's not a, a bad defence. He in, did in New York. He did indeed. I remember that okay, yeah. I remember, again I'd forgotten about it seems like the season, the Super Bowl, was three years ago. It's it's been so long. I can't wait for it to come back. We will get there again. So a couple of our members, Mike Farron and Jason Argo, both both asked about players who we know and love, maybe, maybe not, 
being cut or traded. So what is our take on the rumors about Hyde being cut and the rumors about Vance McDonald being traded? I don't believe either of them. There is no chance that Carlos Hyde is not going to be on that football team come the beginning of this season. In Carl Shanahan's system, we're going to finally see the production that we all thought and we've all seen glimpses of from Hyde, not to mention that he's going to have a full back in front of him again, a, the best one in the league from last season, I think it was right, I'm right in saying, in front of him. We're going to see big production from Carlos Hyde. And I follow him on Snapchat and I know he's been training hard. <laughs> so I don't believe that. And as for Vance McDonald, I was looking at the depth of our tight end, uh, well, our tight end position on our roster and um, I, t I can't see him getting cut. I mean, Garrett Selick, Blake Bell. I know we acquired Logan Paulson. So what? Okay. So because we acquired him, let's let's presume that Logan Paulson is our number one tight end. You need a number two. You know, you look at Vance McDonald and Garrett Selick, Blake Bell. For me, it's got to be Vance McDonald. The only way these guys will get cut is their attitudes in training camp, um, or if they, you know, as always, which is always possible with NFL players is if they step out of line in any way, because I don't think that this setup in the organisation will take anything from anyone. Um, so that'll be the only way in my eyes I'll see that either of them get traded or cut. And that, that brings up a good point. Do you think this regime, I just, sorry, going off the cuff here, do you think that this new management group with Lynch at the helm is going to be that zero tolerance? There is no goofing off. There's no, you know, making huge mistakes like other NFL teams have allowed. Um, do you think there's really going to be that, uh-uh, no, behave kind of attitude? I do, yeah. I think it's going to be a no-nonsense uh, management leadership team. Look at John Lynch. Uh, looking at John Lynch as a player, he didn't take any uh, any BS as a player. Uh, I can't see him doing it as a head coach. Again, it's he's new to the job. He's not. If anything does happen this season... I'm just going to comment on this season. This season, it will be a no tolerance because it will just be. It will look like a sign of weakness from him, unless it's Navarro, and in which case, just for, it's fine. He can do what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing about John Lynch, if you look at what he's done in off, off the field already in his TV career and on the field, and, and what Tampa and Denver before, he's focused and he's driven, and he expects people around him to be the same. And I think if people don't react that way, they will be gone. I think that's fair to say. And they certainly won't be getting playing time. Um, I think that's just the way that John, you say, I think someone said, said best, I think it was give John Lynch a goal and they'll figure out the rest. And he just gets there and he expects people to to sort of buy in, I guess, just to use that phrase again. And then going back to the other two, um, Carlos Hyde is certainly not going to get cut. Definitely not cut. Put, traded, possibly. It depends on what on what your take of Joe Williams is. I think Tim Hightower is a decent backup running back. He did a good year last year in the Saints. But if Joe Williams is, is a superstar, then maybe he could get traded for, for value for more picks, maybe. But I, I agree with, with what James said about Carlos Hyde. I think he's going to be a breakout year for Carlos. Vance McDonald... If you offer if you offer a decent pick for him, then I think yes, they trade him. Personally, I think George, I think they believe in George Kittle enough coming through to be the to be the that leading receiving tight end. I think Paulson is going to be the the running game tight end, but I think Kittle could be the the star that allows them to 
if they can get something for McDonald, I think he's sort of was rumoured to be up for trade just before the draft, and nothing came of it. So I think if we keep him, then fine, we keep him, and he, we know he can catch the ball and what he can do, and he scored a few crucial touchdowns from, from distance last year. But uh, but if uh, uh, again, unless I'm cutting any of those two potential trade, maybe, but but Donald more than Hyde, I would say. Fair enough. Andy Mitchell asks, what are the chances of the 49ers going against 50 years of history and drafting a woman to be quarterback? As the woman of this show, I'm going to answer that one first. <laughs> if you boys don't mind. In my opinion, we've all, we all have women in our lives, and I honestly believe that the first female NFL player to be drafted is going to be a cornerback or a safety. Think about it. Women are tough, hard-hitting creatures who constantly have to intercept the opposition, a.k.a. our children, bat away things that are theirs while running backwards the whole time, keep them in bounds when time is running out. I think a female quarterback would be great, would shine just as well as a man could, but honestly, I think quarterback or safety, or cornerback or safety is where a woman is really, really going to be a star. Me? I should have played inside linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fantastic <laughs> I couldn't resist um, and I got my sonic screwdriver right here Mark Lyon asks which if any of the following will make the 53 man roster and who has blown their chance and he lists Quentin Dial, Tank Carradine Eli Harold, Aaron Lynch Dante Johnson Bruce Ellington and Aaron Burbridge I've just wrote down Quinton Dial, yes. Tank Carradine, no. Eli, ha <laughs> Eli Harold, yes. Aaron Lynch, depends on his fitness. From what I've seen, or what's been reported, he's had a very good off-season. So he'll have to prove himself, again, looking at that position. Malcolm Smith, Ruben Foster, Navar Bowman, if he gets fit, he's not going to get a look in. I mean, there are others, obviously, but uh, going down the depth chart. So he'll have to prove his fitness. I think he will, yes. Dante Johnson, either way, yes slash no. Bruce Ellington, no. Although Paul would love him to stop. I know Paul <laughs> would absolutely love Bruce Ellington to stop. Return, <laughs> mark my words, stop. What he'll do, actually, he will return a punt for a touchdown in a preseason game, then get cut. <laughs> and I've got Aaron Burbridge, no. Um, I don't really know too much about Aaron Burbridge to expand on that yeah but uh that's my opinion on those players <laughs> i like it i like it rob uh very similar i had um quentin dial i think yesterday's i think he's moved to nose tackle this year in the new scheme but i think we haven't got a great deal of inside linemen so i think he's there um tank carradine i agreed no eli harold i think depends on the fitness of bowman for me if he's if he's fit to go, then Harold could be in trouble. But otherwise, I think he stays. Lynch, I said, I think yes, he'd stay. But I think he'd sort of be expected to learn from Alvis Dumerville of how to get pressure on the quarterback more consistently. Bruce Ellington, I got a feeling they are going to keep because he's just he's the only sort of person who's been a wide receiver in San Francisco before on our team. Um, <laughs> I've said no to Aaron Burbridge as well, and Dante Johnson, I said no as well. All right. And here is the question you have all been waiting for. Nathaniel James asks, discussion around Cousins, 
Obviously, he doesn't want to be in Washington. Do you think he will be a Niner in the 2018-2019 season? I think it relates to his other question. I think if we have a two-win season, we will get that high pick and we will draft a quarterback. Therefore, no. But if we have a season which I think we're going to have, then I can see it. I certainly can see it. it. It depends. Let's focus on our current quarterback. First of all, it depends on how he performs. If he has a season like uh, Ryan, Fats, Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick had the other year, then why why can't he retain the job? Um, again, and another th- another fact, it depends on money. The money that they get paid nowadays is ridiculous. Um, and he, he will get paid, whether it's with the Redskins or another team, more than likely going to be another team. And it also depends on how he performs this year. So there's a number of factors. I can see it. My underlying thing in the note that I wrote down that made my opinion up and mind up was not how he's acted in recent times. It was when I watched a Sky Sports uh, documentary on an NFL fan meetup that they go up and down the United Kingdom. They do these. Uh, it's in relation to another podcast who I won't mention because you should only listen to this one. But they go up. <laughs> they go up and down the UK and do these fan meetups. And Kirk Cousins was travelling with them, and it was the way he was talking about California, San Francisco, the city. He was talking to. Uh, he was talking to a Raiders fan and a 49ers fan uh, who was actually from California. Uh, it was the way he was talking about the area. Um, he didn't mention the team because he's professional. I don't think he would have mentioned another team having playing and representing another team. But I can definitely see it depends on our season and his season. So uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Um, for the first part, I've written down more or exactly the same as what James said at the start. I think it depends how we do. Uh, will you guys quit copying off each other? <laughs> <laughs> if we do go and get one of the seasons that Darrell was talking about and go two full team one and 15 then we're going to be right in the mix of the top of the draft and there's supposed to be quite a lot of good draft picks coming out Sam Darnold me and one um if you can get one of those why not start again with a rookie from a rookie contract with the money you would save um I said that will Kirk Cousins be in Washington next year no would he be in California yes it's whether he's going to be at San Francisco or Los Angeles because his two offensive coordinators that he's got on best with are both in California now, and he's going to be in he's going to be in the NFC West next year. I guarantee you that much. But I don't know whether it's going to be with San Francisco or or the Rams. And, and we I noticed we got Washington on the schedule this year, so that could be fun as well. But um, he could potentially yes, he could be if we go if we get six or seven wins, and therefore we're out of the they're running for the. With the the big quarterback class coming out, then then yes, go and get the free agent quarterback. Who obviously, wants to come and play for for Kyle. If we're below that and we have a chance at a rookie, who who could be the next big thing and can work with Kyle Shanahan, then then I don't think he will come. So this could very well be a discussion that we have at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, it could be cousins watch. Yeah. <laughs> So Greg Varley, hi dad, asks, what will surprise the experts about our about the Niners this year? Okay, on this one, all I've written down is defense. Because we were terrible last year. <laughs> be quite honest, apart from against the Rams, who obviously we like to beat LA, as we know. But we did it <laughs> twice last year. So, anyway. But I think, from what I'm hearing, DeForest Buckner is going to separate himself and be one of the, the standout defensive linemen in the league this year. 
from what people are saying. And then with Armstead coming back, and obviously Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster in the middle of the... I think the defence is going to step forward leaps and bounds. I think we're going to see an improvement on offence. I think we expect to see an improvement on offence with Carl Shanahan as head coach. People aren't thinking as much about the defence. So if there's a surprise... It's going to be on the defence and the play of the defensive line. Exactly. I've put our defence. Thomas, Armstead, Foster will be beasts. Speaking of beasts, one might be returning and bowing out on a high. That's what I wrote. That's my notes for that question. I think it will be the defence. I mean, it's got, it's got to be better than last year. Um, and again, referring to on paper because the game hasn't been played yet. You look at the names, where they were drafted. Uh, what's been written about them as well? Rob's saying he's heard about Bucknell. I've read um, about Armstead as well. So, and I think those two have been training together, which fantastic. That's going to go well in our favour. Uh, but defence, I, I think our defence is going to surprise a lot of people, um, even with a rookie defensive coordinator. Uh, if you've got talent and talent fulfils potential, you know they don't, they don't need an awful lot of guidance. Let's not forget Elvis Dumerville as well. He's, all he's done in his career yes. is sack quarterbacks. He's going to come in on third and long and just get pin his ears back and go for it. We see if we can get him in yeah. third and long, obviously. <laughs> but I think yeah. if we stuff the run this year, we'll have a chance to actually go after a quarterback for him. It'd be so nice oh, to not so nice. <laughs> <laughs> so nice to not see when you're sitting there and you go, he's just he's just run straight through the middle. He's just gone straight. <laughs> Why have you all moved? Oh God, <laughs> not quite in that voice. I don't. I don't sound like that all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> defense, hundred percent. All right, and finally, Martin Hughes, our friend. Cover your naughty bits, Martin. What flavor bubble bath am I using? Bubble gum. Don't know what. Bubblegum. Don't know why. Don't know why. Bubble gum. Martin strikes me as a bubble gum, and I bet he has those bath bombs. I bet he put it, but he sets the up his ones. phone, sets up his phone, presses play, drops the bomb in, and then drops the rest in. <laughs> <laughs> After Cat's mentioned him, I hope he's got enough bubbles in there at all, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, better be, it better be something red, is what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we've covered it. I think we've got a good start to the preseason. Uh, let's see. Training camp, like I said, opens tomorrow, the 27th, with the first practice scheduled on Friday. We will be back soon with another podcast and return to a regular schedule, possibly as soon as the pre- first preseason game. Uh, keep participating in the group. Keep sharing. Keep off volunteering. Let's let's get some more of you guys involved in this great, great, great project. We have so much fun when we're talking on these these podcasts. Thanks to Audionautics.com for the music. Thanks again to Mark Lyon, Andrew Mitchell, and Graham Ross for all the work they do on the group and the show. Get involved. Interact with us on Twitter and Instagram at Niner Empire GB. And on Facebook, search for the group Niner Empire GB. It's time to say goodbye, boys. Goodbye. Goodbye. It's good to be back. It is. Get involved. Get involved. (laughs) For Rob Newell, James Little, I am Kat Victorino, your host. Thank you for listening. Goodbye for now.